But Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. I did give it a title today. Not the greatest of titles. But Ephesians 3 verse 8 is going to be the verse that we deal with today. Paul, he's been talking about the mysterious thing that God did in allowing the Gentiles to be saved. He's been talking about the mystery of Christ and how Jews and Gentiles can be brought together and be the body of Christ, how they can be formed and be the church. That came as a surprise to the Jews. They thought they were God's people. They thought they were going to be the only ones that would go to heaven. But yet when Jesus died on the cross, when He shed His blood, He didn't just die for the sins of the Jews. He died for the sins of all of humanity. He died for the sins of the world. And so Paul, he's been explaining that through his ministry, the door has been opened wide for non-Jewish people to become saved. He has been explaining that through his ministry, that through his preaching, that Jew and Gentile can be saved and reconciled to God and be formed into one body, which is the church. And with that as an introduction, I want us to pick up in verse 8 and see how Paul continues to describe himself and the work that God had given him. We read in verse 8, he says, Unto me, who am less than least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul, he is very aware of the fact that he's ministering not because he deserved to serve, but he was able to serve because of the grace of God. Notice how he refers to himself. He says he is less than the least of all saints. That phrase, it means lower than the lowest. Literally, it refers to being smaller than the smallest. You see, Paul didn't consider himself the to have the qualifications for the mission that God gave him. He saw himself as last on the list of applicants. You see, Paul realized that the closer he walked with God, the closer he got to God, the more amazed he was by a God who would use him. In other words, the more he got closer to God, he realized just how sinful he was and just how holy God was. And he was amazed that God would use someone like him. So here's the first principle that I want to give you today. God uses us in spite of us, not because of us. God uses us in spite of us, not because of us. You see, Paul wasn't chosen because he was a great man or an educated man. He was chosen and used because of the grace of God. You see, when God chose Paul, He didn't search out Paul's resume to determine if Paul could do the job. But rather, in His grace, God chose him. You see, God in grace gave the job to Paul to tell the Gentiles about the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. You see, before before Paul's conversion, Paul was a very religious man. In fact, he was a very violent man. He persecuted the church and he imprisoned people who followed Jesus. And he actually thought that he was doing God's work. 
In fact, here's what Paul says about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, that means a violent aggressor, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Hear me this morning. I'm thankful that God doesn't consult our past before he decides to use us, but rather he uses us because of his grace. You see, if God were to look at my past, God would never use me to preach the word of God. God would never use me to preach the gospel. I'm glad that God doesn't consult my past before he decides to call me into ministry. And you better be glad that God doesn't look at your past to decide whether or not you're fit to be used by him. I'm glad that we serve a God that is gracious enough to use us regardless of all the baggage and junk we have behind us. You see, the grace of God makes us usable. You see, there's nothing in us whatsoever that makes us worthy of being called by God and used by God. You see, God uses us because He wants to, not because He has to. In fact, let me say this. If God can speak through a donkey, it shows me He don't need me. Amen? If he can talk through a donkey, he don't need me. And he don't need you. So he uses us in spite of us, not because of us. He doesn't have to use us, but he chooses to use us. How many know today that God knows all of our imperfections? all of our shortcomings, but in grace, He still uses us. He knows all that we did, but guess what? He knows all that you'll ever do. And yet, He still calls you to serve Him. He knows every time you'll come short, and it still says, I want you to serve me and I want you to preach the gospel and I still want you to do my work knowing every time you'll miss the mark and every time you come short, He still calls. Why? Grace. You've heard me say before, if it took perfect people to do God's will, it never get done. Because there's no perfect people. And we should thank God today that He'll use people like us to do His will. I'm thankful, Brother Paul, that God uses somebody like me. And I often wrestle with that. Because at times I feel unqualified. I feel as though I don't have the education. I feel as though I'm not worthy. But yet, here's the thing. I'm in the same boat as the Apostle Paul. Because I'm the very, he says, I'm the very least of all saints. He felt unworthy and undeserving. He said, I don't meet the standard. I'm the lower than the lowest. He recognized that he was being used because of the grace of God. And that's how we have to see ourselves. Which leads me to principle number two. 
The grace of God should humble us. The grace of God should humble us. You see, Paul, he guarded himself against pride. He recognized that God had gifted him and graced him to preach the gospel. You see, when Paul thought about the grace of God, when he thought about the work that God had done in his life, he felt a sense of unworthiness before God. He didn't feel worthy to do what God had called him to do. He was humbled by the grace of God in his life. He was humbled by the work that God had done in his life. You see, he had the right estimate of himself. He had the right thinking about himself. He said, I am less than the least of all saints. I'm afraid sometimes when God begins to use us, we get a big head and we become proud and we become arrogant and somehow we think that it's about us rather than it being about Him. But when you look at Paul, he didn't exalt himself. He didn't elevate himself. He didn't make himself out to be something special. He saw himself as of little importance. In fact, there's another place in Scripture he refers to himself as the least of all apostles. He refers to himself as the chief of sinners. The calling on his life humbled him. And he never got over his own unworthiness. You see, Paul never got over the mercy and grace that God had shown to him. And as I said, I think that when God begins to use a person, a terrible thing can happen. We can get big-headed and think that it's all happening because of us. We overestimate our own value and think that God needs us. Listen, I've already told you this morning that God doesn't need us. We need Him. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. We need Him. And we need His grace. And I believe if we're going to remain effective in ministry, if we're going to remain effective in what God has called us to do, we've got to have the right estimate of ourselves. We've got to stay humble. We've got to stay in humility. See, the only servants that God uses are those who recognize that they are inadequate clay pots and that God puts His treasure in them. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.5. He says, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. It's not us. It's God. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says this. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul's saying it's about God. Not Him. And I want you to understand, it's not about you, it's about Him. It's about His grace, His power at work in your life. You see, here's one thing that I've found over my years of serving in ministry and just being around church is that pride is the downfall of many leaders and ministers. That when we exalt ourselves and when we elevate ourselves, it leads to a falling That pride hinders the work that God wants to do in us. That pride can hinder the flow of the Spirit. That pride can hinder the anointing on our lives. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us very plainly that pride goes before a destruction and a holy spirit before a fall. I believe that when we exalt ourselves, 
God will humble us. In fact, Matthew 23, 12 tells us very plainly that whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That if we lift ourselves up, God will bring us low. But if we'll humble ourselves, God will elevate us. One of the things that gets me, and this is just one of those things that kind of is my pet peeve. I see people all the time try to politic in church. Try to politic within the denomination. They try to rub elbows with certain people to get to a certain place. Listen, that's one thing you'll never have to worry about your pastor doing. I'm not trying to politic to get to a certain position. Listen, if God wants me there, God will put me there. Listen, I'm not running for general overseer. I'm not running for state overseer. I'm not running for state council. God wants me there, God can get me there. And I don't have to brown nose and rub elbows to get there. I just want to do what God wants me to do. And if it's the pastor of this church for the rest of my life, or if he has something else for me, I just want to do what God wants me to do. And as best as I can, I want to stay humble while I do it. And I never want to take credit for it. And if God ever brings any measure of success... I don't want my name to be mentioned. I want the name of God to be mentioned because it's all about Him. Because here's the thing, God will not share His glory with anybody. And so here's the thing, when we experience the grace of God, it should humble us. There should be no root of pride in us whatsoever because of what God does in our lives. You see, we've got to understand that we have nothing apart from the grace of God. Anything that we do, anything that we achieve, any measure of success whatsoever, it's because of the grace of God in our lives. It's because of His favor on us. Have you ever wondered sometimes why God stops blessing some people? Because they start taking the credit for it. Rather than giving God credit. William Barclay in his commentary, he said this, If we are ever privileged to preach or teach the message of the love of God or to do anything for Jesus Christ, we must always remember that our greatness lies not in ourselves, but in our task and in our message. It's not us. It's Him. The grace of God should never make us proud, but it should make us humble. It should kill our pride. Grace should kill our pride. Without grace, we are nothing. We would have nothing. could do nothing. Today, as we think about how gracious God has been to us, it should destroy every root of pride within our hearts. Do you understand that we are what we are by the grace of God? That's how Paul saw himself, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He said, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out His special favor. It's all because God poured out His grace on me and not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by grace. Paul attributed his success to the grace of God. So hear me this morning. No one here today can take credit for their life or for anything they've accomplished. 
All credit goes to God and His grace. And so I say again, there's no room for pride in our lives. If you've experienced the grace of God, there's no room for pride in your life whatsoever. But tragically, we're living in times where there's so many people who are more concerned with their own prestige than the prestige of Jesus. We're living in days where there's so many who are more concerned that they should be noticed than Jesus be noticed. Look at a lot of the modern day worship that takes place on TV. Who gets more attention, the worship leader or Jesus? The worship leader does. The music does. The band does. Rather than Jesus. There's a problem with that, folks. I believe when you experience the grace of God, you'll decrease and He'll increase. I believe when you experience the grace of God, you'll make much of Him and less of yourself. I believe like Paul, when you experience the grace of God, you'll be broken, you'll be humble, you'll see yourself as the very least of all saints. That's how we should see ourselves. I'm the very least of all saints. Because grace will humble you. But let me move on. Number, number three, principle number three that I see from this text today is that we're blessed beyond comprehension. How many know this morning we're blessed? And we're blessed beyond comprehension. Paul says that by the grace of God given to him, he was given the privilege to preach or proclaim among the Gentiles what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. And you might be thinking, preacher, I want you to explain to me the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, guess what? I can't. They're unsearchable. That word unsearchable, it means unfathomable, incomprehensible, boundless, exhaustless. Paul says that the riches we have in Christ, they can't be searched out, they can't be comprehended, they can't be traced to the end. In other words, there's no limits, there's no boundaries on the riches of Christ. Paul is declaring a message to the church that no human being can fully comprehend. But yet he wants to do his best to tell the church about all they possessed because they are in a relationship with Jesus because of faith. Remember what we read back in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Paul tells us that we're blessed. He says this, Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We're rich in Christ. Blessed beyond comprehension. You see, when a person trusts in Jesus, immediately they become a spiritual billionaire. In Christ, they have inexhaustible treasure. Do you realize today that trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a spiritual billionaire, you're wealthy beyond comprehension, you're wealthy beyond belief. We've been blessed with spiritual blessings. That's what Paul said there in chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed with all spiritual blessings. And then he proceeded to talk about those spiritual blessings and we preached through those. He says that we've been chosen before the foundation of the world. Adopted into the family of God. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. We've obtained an inheritance. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Listen, we've been blessed beyond comprehension. 
But not only do we have those blessings, we're loved by God, we're eternally saved, we're part of his body, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ right now. Our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God grows in us by his spirit. Listen, these blessings just scratch the surface of what we have in Christ. We're blessed beyond our understanding. blessings we have, the riches we have available to us, they're so vast we can't discover their end. That's why it's going to take all of eternity for us to discover the grace of God. The wonder of God's grace exceeds our ability to understand. I wonder today, do we really understand the riches we have in Christ? You see, I'm afraid there's a lot of believers that they live like paupers, they live like beggars when they're actually rich. They don't lay hold of what's available to them in Christ. Because here's the thing, we often pray for things that God's already promised us. We pray, God, I want your presence. When he's already with you, and he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How many has ever done that? Now listen, we We travel. And say, God, I pray for your traveling mercies. Well, guess what? He's inside of you. And I understand why we pray, because we want, we want protection. But listen, He's with you. Everywhere you go. So whether you pray for it or not, He's with you wherever you go. The angels of the Lord encamp around us. So He's there. Whether you say a prayer or not. We pray for peace, but guess what? He lives inside of us and He's the Prince of Peace. We pray for love, but the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So love's already there. A lot of things we pray for. It's already available to us. You just gotta just lay hold of it. Because we're blessed. Beyond comprehension. I wish we would just get a hold of this today that it's ours. We'll just tap into it. In fact, you'll never be the happy, productive believer that God wants you to believe until you know what God has done for you. Amen. One commentator said this. If Christ were not too big for our mental comprehension, He would be too little for our spiritual need. If Christ were not too big for our mental comprehension, He would be too little for our spiritual need. I like that. In other words, if you could figure Him out, He wouldn't be big enough to be God. His ways are past finding out. Amen. But let me give you this fourth principle. And I'll let you go. The unsearchable riches of Christ are, aren't meant to be hoarded, but shared. The unsearchable riches of Christ aren't meant to be hoarded, but shared. Look at verse 8 again. 
He says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Notice this part. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, I'm going to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul didn't see the riches of Christ as something to hold on to, as something to hoard, or something to store away, as something to protect. He says, it's something i got to give away. It's something I have to preach. It's something I have to proclaim. He says, through the grace of God given to me, I have to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, what we've been given in Christ is not meant to be kept to ourselves, but it's meant to be shared with other people. You see, having experienced the grace of God ourselves, we have a responsibility to share that grace with other people. Having tapped into the riches of God, the riches of Christ, and experienced it, we should want to share that with somebody else. If God's been good to you, if God has saved you, if God has redeemed you, you shouldn't want to hoard that. You shouldn't want to hold on to that. But you should have this mandate and this desire and conviction inside of you that says, I want everybody else to know what I know. I want everybody else to experience what I've experienced. I want everybody else to feel what I feel. That's how Paul felt. I've got to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. We should feel compelled to tell other people what God has done for us. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 9 16. He says, Preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled. Notice that I'm compelled. He's driven by God to do it. How terrible for me. Woe is me if I didn't preach the good news. Paul had this inner desire. He had this inner compulsion, this inner conviction to preach the gospel. Listen, he couldn't contain it to himself. He couldn't keep it to himself. It was like a fire shut up in his bones. He had to tell somebody. He couldn't keep silent. In fact, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You see, we should have that same inner desire to tell people about what we know. Listen, if you're on your way to heaven, if God has changed your life, you should want other people to go to heaven with you. If you've been blessed beyond comprehension, if God's brought you up out of the muck and the mire, you should want to tell everybody else you can. We should want them to know what we know, but here's the thing, how can they know if we don't tell them. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 10, 14. How can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? People need to hear about Jesus. How many believe that? They need to hear about Jesus. And they need you and they need me to tell them. 
I believe Jesus is the answer for the world. And it's not right for us to have the answer and keep it to ourselves. It'd be like having the cure for cancer or some other tragic disease and holding on to it and not giving it away. But can I tell you, that's what a lot of believers do. They've got the cure for sin and never tell anybody. We've got the cure for the greatest sickness and disease that everybody's plagued with. Because everybody who comes into this world is plagued with it. And the wages of sin is death. Everybody's going to die from it. We've got the answer. And we don't share. But Paul, because of grace given to him, we've got to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Got to preach it. Got to tell somebody. I wonder today, do we have a burden for lost people? Do we have a desire to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ? Or do we simply want to hoard it and protect it and try to keep it to ourselves? Because here's the thing, what we don't do as far as sharing the gospel or not sharing the gospel when it comes to our witnessing I don't believe it's a heaven or hell issue as far as we get in or get out. But I believe we'll give an account as to whether or not we told people or didn't tell people. Opportunities that we missed. I believe we'll face God in judgment and have to give an answer as to why we didn't do more with proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ. In closing, the grace of God changed Paul's life. And he never got over what God did for him. He felt unworthy to do what God called him to do. But even though he felt unworthy, he gave his life to doing what God called him to do. And so I wonder today, do we still remember what God did for us? Or have we gotten over it? Or does it still humble us? I pray today that we never get over the grace of God in our lives. I pray that we'll never get over His mercy. I pray that we'll never get over His grace. I pray that we'll never get over His work in our lives. I pray you'll never forget where God brought you from. Because if you do, you'll lift yourself up and you'll become proud. But if you'll remember where you were when God found you and God saved you, you'll stay humble. And that's what it takes to be used. I want us to stay humble and I want us to give ourselves completely and totally to serving Him, doing His will.
And I want us to take what God's given us and I want us to share it with our community, share it with our family, share it with our world. Because what we've been given is too good to keep to ourselves. It's too good to stay silent, Brother Tommy, what God's done. It's too good to keep quiet. We've got the greatest news in the world. Our world's filled with so much bad news. We've got the good news, the gospel. And people need to hear. Stand with me.